Well, it's, uh, it's great to see you this morning. Our uh, servers are going to collect our offering. We uh, appreciate your, your generosity, your faithfulness in that. Um, I, was, I was thinking about uh, just, you know, that we have in this church, we've been so blessed with so many wonderful things, and we, we got to celebrate a couple of people taking the next step with Jesus uh, this morning already, but last weekend, we also got to celebrate with a couple of people, and I, I wouldn't want to uh, wouldn't want to skip them, want to celebrate them. We got a couple of pictures, one of Tiffany Armour. Uh, we just celebrate with her and her sister. That was such a great thing that, to witness, so give it up for Tiffany and that step she took. And, uh, and one of the members of our deaf ministry, uh, Tracy Alford, he also took that step. So we just want to celebrate with Tracy also. It was a great, great day. It was really awesome. And we have a, we have a lot of uh, people in our church that are newer believers, a lot of people, and that's wonderful. We're so thankful for that, but also want to just re- remind those of us who have been Walking with the Lord for a little longer, that just uh, you know, never forget that it is our responsibility to help these people who are new to Christ to continue to grow, to continue to mature in their faith. That's why I'm really excited about life groups. You know, as you know, we talked about that for a while. Uh, we launched those a couple of weeks ago, and we've had the the largest response to life groups in the history of the church. Just been a tremendous amount of people involved in, in a, a small group this time around. So really excited about that and to see how God's going to use that to deepen our faith and to help us go to, to new levels as we follow him. Now, these are the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 to 48. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat to If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there in that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Those are some of the most radical challenging, demanding words that Jesus ever spoke. 
I don't know if you followed along there, if you really heard what he was saying. That's a high bar. Be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And, and these words, they're real. They're in the Word of God. These words came out of the mouth of Jesus, and he's saying we should live this way. This goes against our, our natural inclination, which is to, to, to throw gas on a fire and escalate a conflict. I told you that last week. There's something in us that is just we're, we're drawn a little bit to conflict, sort of like moth to a flame. I don't know why that is, but for some reason, there's just something in us that uh, it, it's just hard to resist. It's hard to be a, a peacemaker. Why is it that way? Why is it so much easier to add to a situation that is already heated? Uh, it's so much easier to stoke the fire. I heard about a guy who was uh, struggling with his anger. He didn't know what to do, so he decided to go to a, a therapist for some advice, some help. So he goes and he sees the therapist. He says, you know, I just, I just get so enraged with people. Uh, I have people in my life that just make me so angry, and I, and I don't know how to deal with that. And so his therapist gave him a little, uh, a little action step. He says, here's what I want you to do. The next time someone makes you angry, I want you to sit down and write them a letter. Just get all those emotions out, you know, whatever that you wanted to say. Sit down, write them a letter, and then, and then burn it. And burn, burn them. So uh, he, he does that. And a couple of weeks later, he goes back to the therapist, and the, and the therapist asks him, he says, how's it going? He says, well, I, I've been... I've been doing it, and I, I, truthfully, I do feel a little bit better. But I just have one question. Now, what am I supposed to do with all these letters? He says he's, bur he's burning the people. That's, anyway. I will not use that joke, second service, in case anybody... Is, anyway. I, love, I love the pity clap. Thank you, Daryl. That's, that's awesome. Uh, it's, 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 hard to, it's hard to move past anger, but this is a big deal. This is a big deal when Jesus says, I want you to love your enemies, I want you to pray for your enemies, and I want you to do this perfectly, even as your Father in heaven does this perfectly. So I have several questions about this text. I don't know if, as I read it, if there were any questions that sprung to your mind, but these are some of mine, and I'm just going to kind of ask these, and you just... You just kind of hang with me a little bit. First question I have is, is this, is do we as Christians really have enemies? And maybe you immediately might say, well, yeah, yeah, of course, I, you know, I have enemies. But I, I'm like, do, do we though? Do we really? Is this, is this something that we need to do? You know, maybe this, is this something that was written in the scriptures for another time, for another people group, because maybe the world was a more violent place or whatever. Is this something that applies to us? today. And I don't know about you, but I, I hate the idea of having an enemy. You know, I'm, I'm a people pleaser, so a recovering people pleaser, and I hate the idea that there'd be people that don't like me, you know. So, so do, we, do, we really, do we really have enemies? Here's my next question. Second question is, how, how does this, how do we understand this? How are we meant to understand? This is a complex passage, and some of it almost seems to contradict it, it, itself a little bit. It's, it's the hardest thing that Jesus could ever ask any of us to do. If somebody in your life has hurt you, 
they said something about you, they've betrayed you, or maybe they did something even worse. Maybe they hurt someone that you love. You know, a lot of times that's even worse than if a person just hurt you directly. They hurt one of your kids or your, you know, a friend, a spouse, you know, said something about your mom. I don't know, whatever. That sometimes that, that stings, that hurts even worse. What do you do when someone really wrongs you or when they wrong someone you love? Jesus says you're to love them, which is one of the highest callings of a follower of Christ. How is that supposed to work? And here's my third question. How do we love those who hurt us? Like, what, what does that actually look like? It's one thing to, to be nice. You're like, I can, I can be nice. I can at least fake it. Uh, you know, at least I can try. And maybe we think, okay, I'll just do nice things. But how do I actually love? How can I love my enemies? Where, where I, I'm getting to the point. How in the world do I get to the point where my heart actually wants to bless them? Not just be nice, not just put on a fake smile, but where I actually want good for them. Well, let's deal with the first question. How do, do, do we really have enemies? Do we as, as Christians have enemies? I heard about an old lady at church that uh, the pastor had been preaching on loving your enemies. And she met him after the church out in the lobby. And she kind of stuck her finger right up in his face and says, listen, pastor, I am 96 years old. And I'm telling you right now, I don't have to love my enemies because I don't have an enemy in the world. And the pastor said, wow, I'm, I'm stunned. I don't know what to say. How is that possible? How is it possible that you don't have any enemies? And she said, because I've outlived all those scumbags. I see you all laugh at that one. That's. Jesus spoke this truth in Matthew 10. He says, look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Students are to be like their teacher. And slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even worse names. Say, listen, Jesus is saying to us, listen, if they call me the devil, what do you think they're going to call you? What do you think they're going to say about you as as you're following me? It's just a given. Paul said, the apostle Paul said, anyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you don't have enemies then your godliness is probably not showing very well. It's just a part of life. It's a part of following Jesus is that there will be people who will hate you. Jesus says, if they hated me first, they're going to hate you too. He said in Luke 6, 26, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. He says, that's not, a, that's not the position you want to be in. If everybody thinks that you're just great, that doesn't mean you're really following me. So the answer is, yeah, we need this. If we're really following Jesus, you've got enemies. It's just a reality. And you'll have even more as our culture collapses around us and we take a biblical stance over what the world says is, is right and true when we stand on the Word of God and say, no, this is not, this is not the truth that God says. So we're going to be hated. We're going to be accused. That's going to happen. So how will we respond to these people? That's what this command is all about. Love your enemies. So the second question, 
well, how? how? What, 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 what am I supposed to do? To, the, to love people who are determined to harm you, to pray for people who want to see your reputation smeared, who want to see you fail in life. They've decided that it's their part-time job to make your life miserable. That's going to take a miracle from God for us to be able to love those people. I mean, do you agree with that? I mean, that's not natural. It's not easy. I, I, I read that, pa- that passage, and it's really broken up into two parts. The first part emphasizes that we should give to those who ask. It says, if someone asks you, you know, you should give to them. If, if someone slaps you on one cheek, offer them the other. If someone sues you for your shirt, well, then give them your coat too. If someone asks you to go with them one mile, then go with them two miles. Give to those who ask. That's the first part. Then the second part emphasizes love. Love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Uh, seek their good. So the question is, do these two things go together? Uh, and the answer is, they don't. They clearly don't. And that's what makes me realize is that Jesus is saying, when, when Jesus is saying, if somebody asks you, give. If someone demands, give. What he means is that is one crucial way that you can love your enemy. But it's not the only way. There are other things as well. So what do you do? Because Jesus, he says, well, give to those who ask. And, and this, this person just asked. So let, let, me, let me give you a couple illustrations from my life. These are true from my life. Uh, let's say that you're dealing with a person who has an issue with addiction. And you know it, they know it, their mama knows it, everybody knows it, it's clear. And it's destroyed their life, and it continues to destroy their life. And this person, they're, they're making really bad, destructive decisions all the time, and they come to you and they say, man, I, I, can you just help me out? I need a little money. I need a little money. Would you give me a little money? What do you do? Because Jesus says, give to those who ask, and that person just asked. So you, you see how, how complex this is, right? When we read these passages, they're not just flat. These, you you got to put faces to this a little bit. He, Jesus just said, anyone who demands money from you, anybody who says, hey, give me, that you're supposed to give, right? So you know in this scenario, if I give this person money, they are going to use it to continue in this pattern of addiction, hurting themselves, hurting their kids. They're going to continue to cripple and hurt them. But Jesus says, well, give to those who ask. What do you do? Well, my answer is no, you don't give it to them. You don't. You, you offer to drive them somewhere where they can get some help. You offer to buy them something to eat so that they, they're not hungry. But you lean in with love and you say, this is not what you need. This is not the thing. You might think this is what you need, but I love you too much to give you this because I know that this is just going to help you to continue these deeply destructive patterns in your life, and I'm not going to give you the means to do that. And they might get angry with you, and they might call you names, they might slap you around a little bit and say, well, you know, you're supposed to give. Uh, but, uh, but, but again, you say, no, this is, this, is, this is not love. Jesus is giving us one way of loving when he says give to those who ask. Here's another one that gets complicated. Again, just stories from my life, things that I've interacted with. You have someone that... Uh, that works for you. This, this didn't happen here, by the way. Just, <laughs> just get that out of the way. Uh, 
this is a story of I'm getting from other people, helping other people navigate through some things. But you, let's say you've got somebody, you've got an employee that works for you. And you come to find out that that person has been stealing from you. Uh, you uh, things haven't been making sense with the financial records. You start to give in and you discover this person's been doing some shady things. Uh, they've been taking money that wasn't theirs. And so you, you have the conversation with them. You call them out, say, hey, I think you've been stealing. Is this what's been going on? And they admit it. They're full of regret. And they look at you and they say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. They, they have the whole story. Will you please forgive me? What do you do? Jesus says, how often do you forgive? Seventy times seven. Forgiveness is, is free and should be freely given. And so when they ask you as a follower of Jesus, will you forgive me? The answer is yes. I will forgive you. I will release you. I will take my hand off your throat. You know, I'm, I'm letting go. You know? But then when they ask, can I keep my job? The answer is no. Because trust and forgiveness are not the same thing. We talked about that a little bit last week. Trust and forgiveness aren't the same. We're, sometimes we, we're conditioned to believe that they are, but trust is something that's earned over years of faithful obedience. It's not a gift of love. Forgiveness is a gift of love, but trust is not. And you see how this is complex, right? When Jesus says these words, and we're trying to, you know, trying to, to get down to the nitty-gritty of what does he mean? Here's another one for you. Let's say one day a woman walks up to you. It's a cold winter night. She's got a little boy with her wearing a little beanie hat. Maybe he's eight or nine years old. And she says, sir, we've been sleeping in our car. Uh, We're freezing. We need some money to rent a room. Could you give us $50? And you think to yourself, you're looking at this, and you think this seems awfully suspicious. I'm not sure about this. Uh, I'm not sure if this is legit or not. And, uh, and you say, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, don't know. I don't know if I can help you. And the, the little kid looks at you almost like it was rehearsed. But the kid looks at you and says, please, sir, can you please help us? Could you please give us the money? And you look in your wallet, and it's your last $50 until payday. And you know if you give that money, it's going to put your family in a bind. You don't know how you're going to buy groceries that week. So what are you going to do? I don't know what you're going to do. Uh, All I know is that Jesus knew that these kind of complexities would exist in life. He knows this. Uh, So when he says, give to those in need, go the extra mile, turn the other cheek, he, he he meant sometimes that's how you love. Sometimes that's the need, and you must discern what is the right and loving thing to do out of love, wanting the good for this person. See, here's the reality of this passage when Jesus says, love your enemies. Verse 45, he says, in that way, as you love, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. In, in, in the context of this passage, he's saying that our, our love ought to be like the grace of God. That love, it goes, it goes beyond tolerating. It's not that I'm tolerating you, I'm putting up with you. 
That's not what it is. It, it is not enabling. This, this kind of love actually seeks the good of the enemy. Like, I want what's best for you. Even though you hate me, I want what's good for you. And here's something that I'd love you to chew on. You know, maybe just some food for thought. Sometimes love is saying no. The Lord has given us the Holy Spirit to help guide us and discern us. This is part of our growth as Christians. Is, and I've told you this, and I just want to keep repeating this, is what we, especially what we see in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is raising the bar. And what he's really communicating to us is, I'm not as much concerned with what you do, but why you do it. What is in your heart? I see the heart. You know, you've heard it said, but I tell you. You've heard it said, but I tell you. He says, let's go deeper. Let's move beyond surface stuff. And that's where the Pharisees always got hung up, was following the letter of the law. It says this, I do this. I'm good. And Jesus is saying it's, it's more than that. It's not about law. It's about the heart. Why are you doing what you're doing? What motivates you? We have to be able to discern that. What's the, most loving pers- what's the most loving thing to do for a person? As a parent, do you turn the other cheek if someone is abusing your child? Uh, you know, does the police officer turn the other way if someone is robbing a bank? Even as a pastor, we have churches that are always turning the other cheek and ignoring the Scripture's command for church discipline and restoration. Uh, you know, we, we, hey, we, you know we, we've got employees, people who, who own businesses. That if, if somebody doesn't show up for work and yet they say, hey, give me, give me a paycheck. I want a paycheck. I want my wage even though I didn't show up to work. Pay me anyway. No, you're fired. Is, is what's going to happen. Is that love? Yes, it is. I argue that it is. I can't run a business and keep other people employed if you're taking advantage of me like that. Paul says in Romans 12, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, that's the idea. We overcome evil with, we don't overcome evil with more evil. We don't try to out-hurt each other. But we overcome evil with goodness and love. Why? Why would we do that? It's because that is how God treats us. That is how he relates to us. God decided to be good toward us when we had no interest or desire in him. He was still good towards us. It is, it's God's love that, that changes us to become loving as we experience what it feels like, what it's like to live, to exist in the love of God. It, it changes us. And, but without God initiating, we wouldn't be capable of that. Now, let me just say this before I wrap up with this last issue. I, I don't want anybody thinking now, because some of you right now, you've, you've turned off. He's like, oh, man, I heard what I needed to hear today. Brandon just let me off the hook. I don't have to give to him who asks. And the preacher said it. That's, that's what I heard. Uh, you, know why, you know why Jesus said those radical commands? Go the extra mile. Let a person sue you. Give. You know why he said that? It's because he really meant it. He really meant those things. Those are real commands from our Lord to us. And what he's getting at here is it's, it's an extension of what we talked about last week. 
He's calling us higher. He's calling us deeper. He's saying, watch your heart. Watch that heart. I'm not, I'm not so much concerned with what you're doing as I am, why you do it. And our response has to be in everything. You know what? I don't need money. I don't need revenge. I don't need security because I have Jesus. And I have everything because I have Jesus. One of the greatest testimonies in your life and in my life is that when, when the world sees us being willing to endanger ourselves in order to serve someone else, that displays the love of God like nothing else. That we would give up comfort. That we would give up time. That we would sacrifice what's near and dear to us for the good of others, even those who hate us. And oftentimes what our problem is, we, we, try, to, we try to weasel out of this. We, it's not because we're unloving, it's because we don't want to get to that level of, of discomfort. So we're looking for a way to make the demands of Jesus less demanding. That's never going to work. And so that brings me to the last question. Is how do we love those who hurt us? What does that look like? How are you going to become a person like this? It seems unachievable. As Jesus said, you know, when, when, when it comes to this issue, when it comes to loving people, when it comes to seeking out their good, I want you to be perfect. There's a lot of places in Scripture where Jesus gives us grace and space. He said, uh, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You, you come, come to me, my, my burden is easy, my yoke is light. How does that jive with this? If you're only kind to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Wow, that's, that's, that's quite, a, quite a difference there. How do we do it? No, two quick thoughts for you. Number one, check out Romans 5 verse 10. It says that for, our, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So you've got to understand this. God saved you while you were still his enemy. We think we're pretty good, <laughs> but we haven't. We haven't been. God pursued you while you were running away from him. He kept chasing you. So so the the starting point of how how do we love enemies is to experience being loved even when we were an enemy of God. Here's the the second thought. In the the sermon, this section on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, but I say love your enemies Pray for those who persecute you, and in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. In other words, when I do this, when I, when I show love to my enemies, when I pray for those who have hurt me, I'm, I'm showing myself to be a child of God. I've got my Father's DNA in me. And if I could just challenge you with one practical thing, like, okay, what's the one thing that we should do when we leave here today, what is it? Here's, here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to think of the person or the people in your life right now that you, you think, man, if I were to have an enemy, it's that person. And I want you to pray for them. And some of you, you, you recoil at that. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to pray for them. Well, that's what Jesus said to do. That's what he told us. He said, I want you to do this. I want you to love them, and I want you to pray for them. And you might think, well, there's no way. I, I could never find a way to do that. I could never find a way to love this person. I could never find a way to forgive this person. I just want you to start with praying for them. And I'm not asking you to to pray a real big prayer. You notice Jesus, he didn't didn't tell us how to pray for them. And let's just be honest. You you may not be able to work up much of a prayer at first. You you may just, if if all you can get out is, Father, bless them. That's all right. Maybe you you could say a little bit more and say, you know, hey, they really hurt me, God. They really hurt me. And I hope that you know that. I know that you see that. but, But I would ask that you help me. Just help me to let go and to forgive and help them to be restored to you however you want to do that. If that's all of a prayer you can get out, great. That's great. Just start. Just do it. Because here's what's going to happen. This is what you're going to see is going to happen. Love motivates us to pray for our enemies. And prayer inspires us to love our enemies. Can we put that point up on the screen? Love motivates. Love is the motivator to pray. We go back and we pray. And it's through prayer, over time, not that, not that first prayer probably, but over time, as you're praying for that person, you're praying for those people, you're going to find your heart begin to soften. And it doesn't, it's not the same thing as trust. It's not the same thing as we're going to ride off into the sunset and hold hands. But you will find something happen. It has a softening, stabilizing effect on us spiritually. Just start. Just start with praying for them, even if it's short. And here's the last thing. This is is really important. One of the reasons that it's hard, let's be honest now, one of the reasons it's really hard for us to love our enemies is because it feels like we're letting them off the hook. Is it not? Isn't that why it's hard? If I show you love, then I am letting you get away with murder. Maybe it's not physical murder, but they murdered, maybe they murdered a dream, or they murdered a relationship, or they murdered your future, they, whatever. It just feels like I'm letting you get away with something, and I'm just not sure that I can do that. This person really hurt me, and they should have to answer for that, and I'm not sure how, how, I, can, how I can let go. Let me, let, me, let me reassure you. Nobody gets away with murder or anything else. Romans 12. This is the Word of God. It's, it's true, it's right, it's trustworthy. Romans chapter 12. It says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let 
evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So don't think that justice isn't going to be done. Don't think that by you forgiving that you have, you know, that, that, that this person now just gets, gets to get away with whatever. All sins are going to be punished either on the cross for those who repent or they'll be punished in hell for those who don't repent. Don't ever worry that you have to take revenge so that, uh, so that this person doesn't get away with whatever they got away with or whatever they think they got away with. Jesus said just before that passage we've looked at today, he says, God blesses you. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you're my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Remember that. Let's pray. Lord, this is a hard this is a hard, challenging passage. It's hard for us to, to, to read it. It's hard to understand it. It's hard to preach it. I just pray that maybe something I've said will find some, some heart today that needed to, to be reassured. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be living examples of what the love of God is like, that we can show concern, that we can show goodness and, and mercy to those around us that don't deserve it because that's how we've been treated by you. So help us, God. We're going to need your strength. And it, it's, in, in many ways, it, it will take a miracle. It will take a miracle to cut through some of the pain and some of the hurt that is really raw within us. And Lord, help us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus who who went all the way to the cross. He went all the way. So Lord, help us to, to just begin to take that practical step to, to follow the example of Christ, to just pray for those who've hurt us. Just help us to do that. And we lift those people up to you now. And we lift ourselves up that you would help us to be free from the, from the anger and the pain that uh, we hold near and dear to us. And we ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. See you next Sunday.